the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. The Bible says that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. The Bible says that worldly sorrow leads to death. There's a difference between just remorse and regret. I feel sorry, I feel bad but you don't take it a step further, that's repentance. And in repentance is where we find the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. He's not gonna deal with our situation if we're just sad because it didn't work out. He only deals with our hearts when we're broken over our sin. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Genesis. We all do things that we're not proud of. Anyone who has a conscience will at some time or another feel deep regret for some wrong they've committed. Some people never get over the wrongs they've done and go so far as to commit suicide to escape their guilt. Today, Pastor Gary points out that a worldly sorrow only brings death and cannot bring us to a place of restoration and peace. Godly sorrow faces the wrong, asks God's forgiveness, and turns permanently from the sin. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message entitled, A Web of Deception. Now, typically in this culture, and you can see other examples in the Old Testament, whenever a man, a patriarch of a family, was nearing death and he sensed it, it was a very public, open thing where he would gather his family around his bedside and he would begin to pray over and bless and sometimes prophesy over his children and he would start with the oldest down to the youngest. The fact that nobody else is here, that this is just a quiet thing between dad and son, mom's overhearing but not invited into this moment which should have been a celebratory moment is an indication to us that he knows what he's doing is wrong because how many of you understand most of the time when people do things very secretively, they know that they shouldn't be doing it. And he's doing this thing very secretively because he knows he's going against what God has determined. And Rebecca and Jacob then are going to scheme separately and they're going to deceive and manipulate because while Isaac and Esau are trying to hinder what God has determined, Rebecca and Jacob are going to try to hasten it because Jacob is the child of the promise. Now we'll talk more about them for just a moment, put that on hold. Notice with me, if you will, that when Isaac relies on his senses to determine the wisdom of God in this matter, that his senses fail him. Our senses will fail us 
Notice between verses 21 and 25, look at the text again, starting in verse 21, he employs four senses to try to make this decision here, this sinful decision. Verse 21, it says, then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you. There's the first sense. Come so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice, now he's hearing, he's using his hearing, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands touching him are the hands of Esau. Jump down to verse 25. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. I want to taste the stew that you always make because that'll tell me if you're Esau. And then verse 27. And so he went to him, Jacob did, and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him. Now he's using smell to determine whether or not this is Esau, because Jacob had dressed up in all this garb to look just like Esau. And so what is dad doing? He's relying on his hearing, and his hearing says, well, sounds like Jacob. But then he touches and realizes, well, this feels like Esau. He tastes the stew. He says, it tastes like Esau's stew. He smells him, and Jacob's got on Esau's clothes, so he says, it smells like Esau. So three out of four ain't bad. It must be Esau, and the blind guy prays over the wrong son, which actually is the right son, but because of his sin, he thinks he's praying over Esau. And he relies on his senses, and he got the whole thing wrong. He was blind to the fact, not only physically, but spiritually, to the fact that God had chosen Jacob to be the child of the promise. And so Isaac is relying not on the Spirit of God. He's not praying about this. He's relying on his senses to do something that he knows is contrary to what God has already determined. Now, you ever notice how unreliable your senses are? I mean, sincerely, we need to take note from this story. There are some decisions that you and I will make in the course of our lives, some very important decisions. And if you as a Christian simply rely on, what does it feel like? Well, let me just sample it. Let me just get a sense of it. And we rely on our physical senses rather than praying and seeking God and getting his heart on it. We're going to be constantly disappointed because our senses will betray us. Our senses will deceive us, especially the older we get, right? The older we get, our senses will betray us and deceive us. Any of you have a cell phone that, of course, has that vibrate on it, and then you put it in your pocket? Have you ever felt the phantom vibration where it wasn't really real? All of a sudden, you're like, oh, I got a phone call. And you pull it out. And, oh, oh, my phone didn't ring at all. Put it back in throughout the day. Just, oh, oh phone's buzzing. Pull it back out. It's not even a phone call. Come on, let me see your hands. How many of you thought you had a phone call and you really did? Your senses betrayed you. I thought your sense of touch was perfect. No, it's not because our feeling isn't always registering reality. You ever been at home and other people in your family are at home? And you're just kind of doing nothing. And maybe you have background music or background TV going or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you'll say to somebody, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I, I didn't call you. You, you. Seriously, you didn't call me? I, I thought I heard my name. Did, you didn't call my name? No, I didn't call you. Really? You didn't call? Come on, how many of you thought somebody called your name? Let me see your hand. All right, your hearing is betraying you, right? How many, how many can relate to this? I, I don't know if this is... I think it's pretty common among ladies these days. I know with my wife, man, she just loves the candles, right? So candles are going throughout the house, all right? My life now has been reduced to, this is my life, at the end of every day, turn off lights, blow out candles. Turn off lights, blow out candles. That's all I'm doing. I'm going around every room, turning off a light, blowing out a candle. Turn off a light. That's my life now. Now, how many of you have been in bed? I've been in bed in a deep sleep, in the middle of sleep. 
woke straight up smelling smoke. Like there's a candle I didn't blow, blow out. I know there's a candle burning. There's a honey. Did you blow? Are all the candles? I'd get up in the middle of the night and look for candles because I could swear I'm smelling smoke. I, I've gone through my whole house at night thinking I smell smoke. Anybody else willing to be brave enough to admit that's you? Just me? All right. Maybe just me. You? All right. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for validating me. It's true. Our senses fail us. They deceive us. How is it that two people can be a witness at the same car accident and have two different versions of what they saw? Because not everything is completely accurate in terms of our hearing. They also have this, or our vision as well, they also have this thing. Now, have you, know, have you heard about the um, mosquito frequencies? Ask your teenagers for mosquito frequencies. Some of them are ringtones now. They've actually, and I got online last night because I'm like, come on, this is bogus. But the deal is there are certain frequencies, the older you get, you cannot hear certain tones. So at staff meeting like a couple weeks ago, I got Mike, our, our worship leader, he's, and he's got like this tone on his phone. He's like, can you guys hear this? And all the younger guys are like, yeah, we hear this. And the older guys like myself are like, I don't hear a thing. I don't hear a thing. And they're like, come on, yeah, can't you hear this? And I'm like, come on, you're fooling with me. So online, I went online last night, and you can actually click on these different frequencies, and they have them marked by age group. They have them marked by age group. And I put on earpieces, and I'm like, come on. And it starts out, here's the tone everyone can hear. And you press that, and you hear this little high-pitched frequency. And then, and then there's a category, all right, 60 and under can hear this, 50 and under, 40 and under. It goes all the way down to like 10. And so I start down at the bottom, and I work my way up. And I'm like, all right, let's see if I can hear this. Click, nothing. Click, nothing. I'm working my way up the ladder. Nothing, nothing, nothing. This thing is bogus. That's what it is. Actually, I did get to the 39 and under category, and I was able to hear it. That's right. But pretty soon, it'll be over. It'll be gone. I actually thought about taking the website and pulling it up here live service and asking Matt to click it through the sound system and ask you guys, okay, who can hear this? But you all would lie anyway, so I was like, you're 80, and you're like, yeah, I hear it. No, you don't. Stop it. Where was I? Our senses deceive us. Yeah, yeah, our senses deceive us. It's going. Our senses deceive us. Now, look, the fact is, if Isaac had prayed here, if Isaac had just said, okay, Lord, I want to bless the child that I love the most, and the Lord would have spoken to him. First of all, don't love one more than the other. But secondly, my promise is with Jacob. You need to bless Jacob. If he had prayed, if he had sought God, God would have answered him. But he didn't. He relied on his senses, and his senses would betray him. We have to be careful, Christian. Listen, we have to seek the face of God. We can only get the wisdom of God and know the ways of God by the Spirit of God. We cannot rely solely on our senses. Sure, God has given us our senses so that in day-to-day living we can use them to function. But in terms of important decisions that sometimes we as Christians should be praying about, instead we're relying on our senses? They will deceive us. They will betray us. Don't rely on your senses for decisions that should be made in the Spirit. Number five on our list we see this sad commentary in the story. They're, they're trying to right a wrong with another wrong. Don't do that. Don't right a wrong with another wrong. Enter Rebecca and her favorite son, Jacob, in this story. Between verses 5 and 10, she overhears what dad is going to do with Esau. So she conspires with her son that she loves. She's like, Jacob, listen, come over here. Psst. I just heard your dad in the other room. 
He's about ready to bless Esau. We know he's not the child of the blessing, okay? You're the favorite son, not monkey boy, all right? We know that he... You, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to apologize, I'm sure, when I see Esau. But the fact is, the Bible says he's grotesquely hairy. So I don't know how she portrayed it to her son exactly other than what Scripture says here. But she basically says to Jacob, we got to conspire here because we know that you're the favorite son. You're the child of the promise. Here's what I want you to do. Get a couple of goats and bring them to me. I'm going to take one. I'm going to cook up a stew that would put Paula Dean to shame, and I'm going to give it to your dad. You're going to take it into your dad, and I'm going to dress you up just like your brother Esau. He's going to think like it's Esau. He's going to think you're Esau. It's going to be great. Let's do it. Now, Jacob, smart enough, he replies, look at verse 11. He says to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him. Appear? Appear? You are tricking him. And he says, and I'd bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Translation, I know I'm a deceiver. I just don't want to be caught as being a deceiver. So dad is going to recognize that it's me instead of Esau because he's hairy. He's, you know, he shaves his back. I just want to be able to shave for once. I don't, he got all the testosterone. I got very little of it. And so dad's going to know, what should I do? Mom says something that is very bold and brazen. Look at verse 13. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. You know, it's, it's one thing to sin and to not be fully aware that we're sinning. And it's another thing to be completely aware of it and even invite a curse down on our heads. Mom says, let the curse fall on me, son. Just obey me. And so he does. So verse 14. So when he went and got them, the two goats, brought them to his mother, and she prepared them some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. And then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. Can I have your attention, please? You know what's worse than being a 70-year-old man and your mom's still bossing you around? is being a 70-year-old man and your mom is still dressing you. That is wrong. That's what she's doing here. She took, she took Esau's clothes and the Bible says she dresses. She puts them on Jacob. All right, Jacob, just raise your hands up high so mommy can put the clothes. Ay, ay, ay. Cut the apron strings, Jacob. 70, move on. I had a couple in my office several years ago. They wanted to get married. Madly in love. It's great. I start asking some questions about each other, trying to get to know each other. He's talking a lot about his mom in a very wonderful way. I mean, he just really loves mom. This is a little too much. He's going on and on about his mom. And then I'm asking them questions, and I, and I say, well, what do you think about her? What do you think about your wife that, that, that soon to be here? He says, oh, man, I love her dearly. I just, I just adore her. But then he added this. He goes, I adore it almost as much as my mom. Okay, we got a problem here. I said, you need to get out of my office. This isn't going to work. I didn't marry him. She ended up finding another guy whole much better and married him instead and uh, happily married now. But that guy just needed to cut the purse strings a little bit. Just, you know, you need to separate yourself from mommy just a little bit. That's what's happening here. He's 70, still very attached to mom. She's dressing him. It's not right. This is just really wrong here. Anyway, verse 16. This is bizarre. Verse 16 says, she also covered his hands. And the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. So she took one goat, made a tasty stew. The second goat, she skins. 
She puts it over smooth boy's hands. And the Bible in the Hebrew, it actually is a word that translates up to the elbow. It talks about the whole forearm. So she's wrapping his forearm and his hands in goat hair, goat fur, and the back of his neck, smooth back of his neck, goat fur. Now, I ask you, what must Esau have looked like? <laughs> if this works, and it's working, it's going to work. Esau is a goat-looking creature. Ah, I mean, I'm just thinking this scene of Esau just looking like this, like that Geico commercial, just like a, this caveman beast with, anyway, very strange looking creature. So she gets Jacob all dressed up with goat skins. She handed him the, the tasty food and bread, and he goes into his dad, and he, he presents the food to his dad. Jacob said to his father, verse 19, I am Esau, your firstborn. He has to, you know, use the voice. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so you may give me your blessing. And Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? And notice what he says. The Lord your God gave me success. You know what's worse than deceiving people? Is deceiving people in the name of Jesus. That's what's even worse. He's invoking the name of God in this whole deceptive scheme. He's tricking his dad and he's bringing God into the equation. God had nothing to do with this deception. Well, two wrongs don't make a right, folks. That's what's happening here. Sure, it was wrong what Isaac did. But what Rebecca should have done was she should have, when she overheard this, she should have gone and appealed to her husband. She should have said, honey, listen, I overheard what you said to Esau. Please remember what God said. Jacob is the child of the promise. Do you want to rethink this? And if he didn't listen to her, then she should have appealed to God. And trusted that God would take care of this. God had already determined it, so God will be faithful to do something about it. Instead, she takes matters into her own hands. And she thinks, as some people do, and if you think this, you need to rethink it. The ends do not justify the means. God is just as much concerned about the means as he is the result. They think to themselves, well, God made a promise, and Jacob is the child of the promise, so if Dad's going to do the wrong thing, we'll just do something wrong to make Dad do the right thing. No. Two wrongs don't make a right. It's not right for us to think that we can right a wrong by doing something wrong ourselves. And then of all things, to kind of wrap a spiritual tone around it. Well, the Lord gave me success. You kidding me? Remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 15? Saul was the first king of Israel. God had told Saul through the prophet Samuel, you are to destroy all the Amalekites. They're sinful, they're evil, they're wicked. Destroy them all, including their livestock. Not a donkey, not a cow, not anything to survive. You know what Saul did? Saul killed and wiped out everything except he spared Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and he kept the best of the livestock. The Lord told Samuel the prophet what Saul had done. Samuel grieved in his heart, spends all night in prayer. The next day he goes to Saul and confronts him. He says, Saul, you didn't do what God told you to do. Saul said, yes, I did. Samuel said, no, you didn't. Saul said, yes, I did. Samuel said, if you did what God told you to do, then why is it I hear this bleating of the sheep and lowing of the cattle in my ears? You know what Saul said? Saul said, oh, that. Oh, listen, here was my intentions. I only saved the best of it so I could offer it as a burnt offering to God. I only saved the best of the livestock because I wanted to sacrifice it to the Lord. To which Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings more than in obeying the voice of the Lord? Do you think that you can just 
wrap this in something spiritual and God's going to just say it's okay because you disobeyed him? Samuel goes on, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. That's what God thinks. God looked at Saul's methods and judged his methods. Forget about the end result. What God is interested in is how well we do in the process, not at what we arrive at. And so this is important. Because Rebekah and Jacob were sinning just like Isaac and Esau were. It was not the will of God that they should do wrong in order to right a wrong. They should have trusted God and appealed to him. Well, Jacob no sooner gets out of the room getting dad's blessing than Esau comes in from the hunt. He's got the stew prepared, and he presents it to his dad. And his dad, the Bible says, verse 33, trembles violently. He trembles violently because Isaac now realizes he's been duped. And he's been deceived, and he knows at the same time the violent trembling has to do with fearing God. He realizes he's disappointed God. He sinned against God, and now God is exposing it. And Esau, it's just a very pitiful scene here where he just, he's weeping and he's begging. He's like, don't you have another blessing for me? Dad, please, can you at least still bless me? Don't you have anything for me? And he ends up crying at the end of this passage, verse 38. Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And then Esau wept aloud. Why did he weep? He wept because he was filled with remorse over his loss, but not repentance over his sin. There's a big difference. It's the last point of our lesson today. Don't have remorse without repentance. Remorse is just a lot of times people will sin and then they feel sad because either they were caught, it was exposed, it didn't turn out the way they had hoped, the way they had schemed. They're just sad because it didn't work out, and now they've been caught. Repentance is being sad over your sin, and it's running to God and asking for forgiveness, and it's running away from your sin, turning to God, leaving sin, feeling broken in your heart over what you've done to break the heart of God. That's the difference between repentance and remorse. Esau was just a man who felt sorry for himself. In fact, Hebrews tells us that, Hebrews 12, 16, and 17. It says, See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Listen to the King James, the last part. It says, For you know that... How that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. In other words, he wasn't broken over his sin, but he was crying over the messed up situation of his life. And there's a lot of people like that in this world. There might be some of you here where, you know, you're sad over things, but you haven't gotten the place. And I would just encourage you, get to the place where you take it one more step where you're sad over your sin, because then when you're sad over your sin, the Bible says that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. The Bible says that worldly sorrow leads to death. There's a difference between just remorse and regret. I feel sorry, I feel bad, but you don't take it a step further. That's repentance. And in repentance is where we find the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. He's not going to deal with our situation if we're just sad because it didn't work out. He only deals with our hearts when we're broken over our sin. 
That's what God wants of us. Look at all three of these things. Examine our hearts today. Are there things that we make decisions about in our senses that we should really consult God about? Have there been times that we try to right or wrong by doing wrong things ourselves? Are we sorry about sin but not broken over it? Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection, the teaching ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. To learn more about this radio ministry, please visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc where you can download today's teaching or subscribe to our podcast. At cornerstoneconnection.cc, you'll also find information about all of our ministries, links to our Facebook page, Twitter feed, and more. We can be reached via email at info at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's info at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can give us a call at 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. When you contact us, please let us know how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. On the next edition of Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary will continue taking us through the book of Genesis. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.